Take my stand by the Ulster names, each clean, hard name like a weathered stone. Tyrella, Ross Trevor, or flickering flames. The names I mean are the Moy, Malone, Straban, Sleeve Gullion, and Port Glenone. Even suppose that each name were free from legend's ivy and history's moss. There'd be music still in, say, Carrick Reed, though men forget. It's the rock across the track of the salmon from Islay and Ross. The names of a land show the heart of the race. They move on the tongue like the lilt of a song. You say the name and I see the place from Bow, Dungannon or Amalong. Baranay, Townland, we can't go wrong. You say Armagh and I see the hill with the two tall spires or the square low tower. Faith of Patrick is with us still, but his blessing falls in a moonlit hour when the apple orchards are all in flower. You whisper Derry, beyond the walls and the crashing boom and the coiling smoke, I follow that freedom which beckons and calls to column kill, tall in his grove of oak, raising his voice for the rhyming folk. County by county, number them over. Tyrone, Fermanagh, we stand by a lake and the bubbling curlew, the whistling plover call over the whips in the chill daybreak as the hills and the waters the first light take. Let down be famous for care-tilled earth, for the little green hills and the harsh grey peaks, the rocky bed of the lagon's birth, the white farm fat in the August weeks. In one more county my pride still seeks. You give it the name and my quick thoughts run through the narrow towns with their wheels of trade. Glen Ballyamon, Glen Anne, Glen Dunn, from Troston down to the Braes of Laid, for there is the place where the pact was made. But you have as good a right as I to praise the place where your face is known, for over us all is the selfsame sky, the limestones locked in the strength of the bone, and who shall mock at the steadfast stone? So, it's Balna Mallard, it's Cross Maglen, it's Ochna Cloy, it's Donagadee, it's Mahara Felt breeds the best of men. I'll not deny it, but look for me on the moss between Aura and Sleeve Nani. You're very welcome to this podcast, The Place Where Your Face Is Known. It's a podcast about place names and town land names, especially in the Cull Island area here in East Tyrone. Cull Island and East Tyrone, historical manufacturing base of Mid-Ulster, is a community initiative being delivered by Loch Ness Partnership. It is funded by a National Lottery Heritage Fund under the Great Place Scheme Grant Programme. Additional funding has been secured from Mid-Ulster Council. Other partners in the scheme include the Crack Theatre Cull Island, Queen's University and various local businesses and community agencies. The project highlights the rich heritage of Cull Island and East Tyrone area. Part of the focus will be the story of the manufacturing and extraction industries such as brickworks, 
potteries, textile mills, glass factories, sand dredging and coal mining. Also of interest are the canal, the railway and the road network that enabled the development of these industries. Linked with all these are place names and the landscape and the project will investigate the background and meaning of these important aspects of our local heritage. The poem you heard at the very start of the podcast is Ulster Names by the poet John Hewitt and it was read by Connor Begley from the Crack Theatre Colline. The music that we're using on the podcast is from local band Coog. One piece is called New Landscapes. And the other piece is Poison the Well. And we're very grateful to Coog for allowing us to use the music. And I'm joined today by Dr. Liam Campbell, who is the Build and Cultural Heritage Officer for Loch Ness Partnership, and also Keith Beatty, Industrial Heritage Officer, Loch Ness, Loch Ness uh, Partnership. You're very welcome, Keith and Liam. I'm going to start off by asking you why you think we should look at townland names and place names and why they're so important. Well, I think they are so distinctive to this to this place, to this island. There is nowhere in the world that I know that has a, a division system the same as townlands, a place division. And I think it's the uniqueness of every place, but it's what makes it distinctive. And I suppose, referring to this place and the whole wider Cool Island area, uh, for me it came from one one place uh, and it came from looking for a bit of red clay. Uh, we had at Braca Mountjoy a wee project with the school to, to uh, make a brick uh, to, kiln, uh, uh, to fire with local clay. And there was a really big history of it here. Uh, of kilns everywhere, and don't need to tell you about Tyrone brick and the brick making all around. Uh, so, I needed, I needed to. I, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, uh, what kind of clay do we need? And uh, I, a guy said to me, he says, uh, "I'll take you up the back of Braca," and uh, he took me up to a place where a man was building a house, and there was a big mound of clay. You know, when you dig out your founds, the, the clay's there, and he says, "You can take as much as you want there to, to get it analysed." So we sent it away, and the clay was perfect for making for making uh, for making brick. But because I'm not from this place, we have our own townlands, other part of the Spurns. But at night when I would go home, I would look at the book uh, uh, Lochney Places, and I wanted to see where I was today. What was it called? And the townland where we found the clay was called Ochrim Jerrick, which means in Irish the field of the red ridge clay, the ridge field of red clay and you can see it up there if you're coming in you're coming from Coal Island you know into Brocky you can see the kind of eskers the ridges there and I thought in that that's a townland name but in that townland you had your natural heritage which is your clay uh, you had your built heritage because it became the, 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 the substance that was to make the brick to make the houses to make the castles and whatever and the third one was the cultural heritage, which was the name. So, and that one townland name, it it was very distinctive. It said an awful lot about it. So that's why I think the value of them, Oliver. Aye. So we can look back and, and 
look at the history of place names and townland names, yeah. I suppose we can go back into ancient history, starting with the provinces, isn't that right? That yes. They were sort of the first unit. I think, I, I think most people agree that the provinces relate to, I suppose, kingdoms, ancient kingdoms, Uliad, Ulster. Uh, and interestingly enough, divisions change. Uh, Ulster had another, Louth used to be an Ulster. You know, there are nine counties in Ulster now, but actually it used to be ten. And there was a really strange thing in Ireland was that there was what they called like a fifth province, a province of the right, that was kind of in the centre of Ireland. Uh, uh, I think Mary Robinson referred to it when she was made a president. You know, it was the, the kind of the province of the mind, that this kind of mystical, mythical sort of place. So, so yes. Uh, and then, you know, we have counties which largely follow a, I suppose a, like a shire system from uh, 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 England. But b back to the townlands, you, you talk about townlands and places, there are approximately 62,000 townlands in the whole island of Ireland and they are very unique. They follow more to do with uh, uh, land use and probably family and clan ownership. So for example, generally the townlands are smaller where the land is not as good agriculturally. So if you go up to the mountains or up into the Spurns or up into the moors, the townlands are very big. And you come down to the more uh, lush ground in the, in the Lagan or the Ban Valley or, or whatever, the townlands are smaller. The idea came from uh, Balyabha, the, the an Irish means the town, Balya's town of the cow. So the townland was to do, it's very complex and very sophisticated, uh, the amount, the, what they call the carrying capacity of the land. So, for example, if you have a few cows up on the mountain, it'll take more ground to feed them up there, that wool and lush ground in the lowlands. So, it's actually a very sophisticated system of management of land, uh, hence the bigger ones up. So, uh, I mean, that's, that, that's what I have about townlands. The townlands are well rec are recorded, even if we don't use them, you know, in books by ordinance. I suppose I'm also very interested in the smaller, sometimes people call them the minor names, the field names, and that because the townlands are recorded in books, but a lot of these minor names, you know, Duff's Corner or or Beatty's Halt or such and such or the Quarry Bray, if we don't get those down those will be lost. The, 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 I think if we go back to the 70s when they started using postcodes and then the post office stopped using the townland address. And with, I mean from my perspective I brought up in the city so I had no notion of what townlands were until I arrived in North Antrim. Um, in cities obviously you have territorial boundaries from street to street and streets have names and you can associate those names with the streets and the places. But um, it was kind of a Sounds simple, sounds obvious, but the realisation that townland names actually were there because they meant something. It wasn't just a name that was appeared from nowhere. Those names are, have an origin. Those places are given that name. And I've heard it said if you're looking for a, the meaning of a place name, you have to visit it first to see the landscape, to see yeah. what's there. And it can be, obviously it can be linked to people who lived there or industry or farming that happened there, but it's still so valuable to actually visit. 
So certainly from my perspective, the project that we're talking about here, exploring townlands and place names, for me it's a huge learning curve. Um, and you know, without language skills, it's you know it's really intriguing to, to find out how these names are derived and the debates that go on about one and the other interpretation of it and the heated arguments that go on over tables and bars about what particular yeah. names, even in this part of the world, I'll not mention <laughs> which I've heard, but yeah, there's some that yeah. you know people will yeah. talk endlessly about the meanings of. Um, so it's puzzles. It's, I love I love working in history because there's so much detective work. And it, yeah. The same goes for Thailand. It's just like a big detective story. You're trying to find out what happened. I, I, I love that term detective because uh, there's a really good story about that. One of the, the people, the Ordnance Survey in the 1830s mapped Ireland at a scale of six inches to a mile that no other country in the world was mapped at. So, I, I mean, England wasn't mapped or Scotland or Wales, Ireland was mapped. But they also brought in, uh, and mapping is a tool of, you know, uh, taxation and various stuff, and you can say control, but, but they also brought in this man called John O'Donovan, who was the first Irish language uh, professor at Queen's University. And this is in the mid-1830s. But talk about detective work, his letters are well, well worth reading. Uh, uh, he, 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 wrote, he did many reports, but he would have talked to locals and see how did you pronounce it? What does that mean? And obviously sometimes you pick a thing up wrong. But he tells a story in Donegal of a place, uh, it's sort of between uh, Ballyluffin and Cairndonna, uh, Isle of Doe, near Five Finger Strand. And the place was called uh, Tra Brega. And it was down, and somebody, they, I have put it down with a W, and there was no W in Irish. And, and Tra is Strand, and Breg, Brega is, is the Irish word for a lie or a, de, a, a deceit. And it's exactly what Keith said uh, you have to walk it. And he thought, well, how do, what does this mean? And he was walking across the strand, and the tide, it is one of the fastest incoming tides anywhere in these islands the tide came in and the big word there it catches you out it's deceitful (laughs) and you know he suddenly says I walk it across here and now I know what Trabrega means so it's a bit like being outside you know here or the munchies or somewhere bog you know or you're down by or or, or the red clay you have to uh, uh, I think as Keith says here that you know you have to nearly walk it to look at it and then it'll you know uh, 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 cross the water Jura uh, I'd like to say it's the Paps of Jura if you stand on the north coast and you look and you can see Scotland clearly well the Paps are are two parts of woman's anatomy <laughs> from from you know but you know yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and you go through when you do go through the old documents as well it's actually it's done for you on a couple of websites where they list the different ways the townlands have been recorded. So yeah. there's different spellings Absolutely. and different uh, you know ways that they've been, it's been written. And you understand as you were saying the, the way people talked. Whoever wrote it down first of all yeah. wrote it down the way they heard it. There's also the person in the 21st century looking back at that document can't make out the handwriting, so they're trying to decipher this coded. <laughs> you know text on the paper so there's all these different ways that names can change and be interpreted and be woven into that history and um, you know the important thing is to ask the local people as well that's where the stories are 
uh, and that's why John O'Donovan, and even going back to the Ordnance Survey, uh, that's why they're so important because a lot of the common memory back then has been lost. But the remarkable thing I think as well is that some of those common memories have been retained. And when you go back to the area and you talk to people, well, they'll tell you a story. And you go back to this book that's written 200 years ago, and there's the same story. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, things like that are, are really fascinating. So maybe in terms of where we are here, we're in Cut Island, uh, and this project is primarily based mm-hmm. in sort of this, this geographical area on, on this, what is the southwest coast of, of, of Loch Ness mm-hmm. and that area. So... Uh, could you describe some of the names, or could you talk to some mm. of the names uh, mm. locally here, or some of the places that, that we're talking about yeah. here? What, what, you know, maybe. Well, well I, I mean, it is a really good place to study names, both with regard to Irish and to English, particularly. So, uh, so if you go towards the Loch Shore, and you go towards a, a place that is slightly more boggy, there's a huge amount of places you know, to do with fluck and to do with wetness, you know, and what did they say, the, the, American, the Native Americans had so many words for snow, there were so many words for different types of boggy and wet ground, and I don't mean just the munchies, but, you know, moon and bog and different types of, and different types of turf and different types of peat as well, uh, so a lot of the names recognise that. The other one that would be very common here would be would be Dura and Derry, uh, which uh, scholars are beginning to review that a wee bit. I, I, I mean, Derry normally means oak, uh, and the word there's no doubt there were a lot of oak, uh, uh, particularly in all, and even more so in even northern Loch Ness, but in this area. But there is a theory that Derry can mean a place that is good for trees to grow. There are some scholars beginning to look at ancient texts now. So, so that might not be oak trees, but it could be, you know, the type of trees, the birch that grow, the birch, I mean. But then you get the whole thing then where uh, a name then is, is, is a more modern creation. Uh, maybe not a town, that means mean, mean Stewartstown. New mills, you know, they are, they're, they're, they're too, uh, you know, they, t- they tell you so much. Coal, uh, Coal Island is the perfect example. And, and Coal Island, obviously. Yeah. The number yeah. of people that, you know, that I mentioned to you in Belfast, I went to visit and Coal Island and I talk about the project and that's their first realisation that there's coal mines in Coal Island. Yeah. It's so obvious, but at the same time, they don't think of town or they don't think of place names the way they, they really should. No. They're, exactly. You know, they're missing out on these wonderful uh, gems, really. Yeah. And you know, you, so you know the stewards, uh, even the you know new mills, that the, so new mills means there was another mill. So you know, there's a history of mills, you know, and, and rivers and whatever. So, so, so there's a big you know an 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 industrial uh, uh, heritage there. Yeah. Well, you spoke earlier, Liam, about uh, that being part of the cultural history of of this area, about the industrial, about how industrial people industrious. That people were, yes, uh, and and that you know it, it's reflected in the names of the places, and also in the heritage that has come through the industrial heritage of Colland and, yeah. and the wider area. Yes, and I think a, a big revelation to me. My father was a builder, a carpenter, and worked in buildings. And I'm used to kind of stone and timber. And I remember the first time I went to, for example, the likes of Coyle's Cottage, and also around Derry Lochan and that area. 
near where Jordy Hanna's home place is, I remember driving along uh, the road and I saw what I thought was this kind of 1940s, 50s bungalow and the plaster, the, the render was falling off the wall. But it looked kind of yellowish, almost like the daffodils are in your table there. I thought, that's strange. And I, I went up to it, I stopped and I did that and I realised, good God, this is mud, this is clay. You know, it was plastered later, but this is a clay a clay building, and I realised the place is full of them. And I I suppose, you know, if you take around Coal Island and the Loch Shore, there wasn't an awful lot of stone. You know, it's not like the Mourns, it's not like even like the Sperns or, you know, the basalt of the north coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so you had to build with what you had. So people made houses out of the local material. I mean, that originally might have been a lot of crannogs, you know, sticks that were here and, and stone that were done. But that fascinated me to think that somebody would dig a hole and they would use the clay and build their house beside that there. And it's a very sophisticated, you know, we tend to demonise these things and say, oh, well, they're, you know, it, it was crude and whatever. But it was actually quite sophisticated to me to make a house stand of mud you know, try a child to do it in the beach, you know. And I think then there was an evolution of that. You know, that evolved into making brick because there was no stone. So so it's no accident that, 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 you know, the heritage of this place, you know, the the making of the brick. But, and that that may have stopped and the mud walls may have stopped, but I think that, uh, I suppose I would call it make and do with what you know and making do in the, not in a negative way but making do and making using local resources to do stuff I still think exists to this day I mean many people that make sheds and you know modular buildings and all the light engineering and and I think you referred to it as you know a, 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 like the Silicon Valley for light I, I, I think that's a continuum of the industriousness of the people of this area and that goes back you know I mean this is like I mean, I always grew up, you know, here, Belfast, Harlan, Wolf, but, you know, I mean, this, this, this place rivals that, and I think, I think more needs to be made, and it's great that the project is doing, is, is, is you know, is, is using that heritage asset to say, we've we got to be as proud of this as, as Titanic or whatever, and maybe more proud of it. Yeah, I mean, one of the important topics that uh, we're exploring uh, is field names and the, the minor names that uh, people in this area have for their their neighbouring fields or roads or places and we've had a couple of very interesting sessions gathering people around and just getting them to talk about uh, where they live and the places that are there and the names of these places and from that the characters, the personalities. Now these are probably more recent names in many respects associated with more recent events and people that live there Um, but those are things that need to be recorded because I think we've touched on the fact that timeline names there's a lot of work going on to preserve those timeline names, to map them, to record them, to make sure they're reported for the future. But it's those lovely little uh, smaller places that we're going to lose because they're not on maps. They're in people's day-to-day conversation. And uh, so as our podcast series goes on, and uh, we're hoping to get a few people in just to talk about those kind of things and uh, some of the stories behind them too. Well, thanks very much, Keith and Liam, for your contribution today and, and uh, to the podcast. And hopefully it'll be the first of several that we will uh, be uh, recording in the next few months. Uh, Thanks very much.